These are flash readings by the Britton Fellows at Georgia Tech. The subject. I'm Sarah Higginbotham. I'm a Britton Fellow in the Writing and Communication Program at Georgia Tech. My PhD is in early modern literature, and my scholarship centers around the intersections of literature and law. So I've written about the violence of the law in early modern England and critical prison theory, and also children's rights in children's literature. The Object. The Sneetches is a book that Dr. Seuss wrote in 1961 with two distinct subgroups, mm -hmm. star-belly Sneetches and plain-belly Sneetches. The star-belly Sneetches look down on the plain-belly Sneetches and ostracize them okay. from all of their activities. And whenever they met, when they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. When the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. Someone named Sylvester McMonkey McBean <laughs> comes into their community. Mm -hmm. You can pay Sylvester McMonkey McBean $3 and have a star put on your chest. And oh. then you can't tell the difference anymore between right. the star belly sneeches and the plain belly sneeches. But that, of course, outraged the original star belly mm -hmm. sneeches, who now felt that there was no way to distinguish a social hierarchy between them and the other creatures. Right. Good grief, groaned the ones who had stars at the first. We're still the best sneeches, and they are the worst. But now, how in the world will we know, they all frowned, if which kind is what, or the other way around. Sylvester McMonkey McBean offers to have your stars removed. And then what ensues is this sort of endless cycle of Sneetches paying Sylvester McMonkey McBean to either have stars affixed or removed. Through the machines, they raced around and about again, changing their stars every minute or two. They kept paying money. They kept running through until neither the plane nor the star bellies knew whether this one was that one or that one was this one or which one was what one or what one was who. McBean drives away with all of their money laughing and he says, you can't teach a sneech. But just as children turn the last page, they find out that McBean was, in Dr. Seuss's words, quite wrong. But McBean was quite wrong. I'm quite happy to say that the Sneetches got really quite smart on that day. The day that they decided that Sneetches are Sneetches and no kind of Sneetches is the best on the beaches. That day all the Sneetches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not upon stars. The Logic I think mm -hmm. that children's books offer children a starting position for helping children think about human rights and human dignity, mm -hmm. as well as their responsibility for others. What we found when reading this book to children is that Dr. Seuss offers young children both those who are targets of discrimination mm -hmm. as well as those who discriminate. Mm. This safe, imaginative space in which to confront those issues. One of the things that they responded to and certainly laughed the loudest at and mm -hmm. asked to be repeated was the page in which Sylvester McMonkey McBean has his machine set up mm. to both put stars on and take them off at the same time. Mm. And so you have this chaotic and absurd scene of people racing to change themselves in order to be whatever they 
think will gain the most social capital. Mm. And the children recognized how completely ridiculous it was Mm. and laughed at it. They laugh and clap and ask for that page to be reread mm. and want to point at it and pour over it. Younger children, just because it's funny and absurd. Yeah. But I think that older children, even 11 and 12 years old, are very quickly able to connect that to the real world and the idea that discrimination is arbitrary and foolish. The project. When I was working on my PhD, Early Modern Literature and Law, I met Jonathan Todras, a professor of law, Georgia State University. When he found out that I was getting a PhD in literature and that I have children, he told me about an idea he had for an article. And that was, what do children learn about their human rights from the books they read? So he and I started um, just talking about the project, and it developed into an article that we co-authored on Horton Hears a Who Mm -hmm. and Children's Rights. Their response to the article was very enthusiastic, and so we decided to develop the project into a longer study. So one of the reasons that this project interested me is that it is about the more constructive aspects of law. Rather than law in the way that it punishes and harms people, children's rights are about the way that international treaties have benefited children, help them understand their inherent dignity as human beings. What I see from my children is that a book is not something they experience in an isolated condition. It's something they carry with them Mm -hmm. continually. They will refer to it in times of joy and in times of crisis as as almost something that actually happened. Mm -hmm. They are able to make parallels or they do make parallels between what's going on in their experience and what happened to Harry Potter. Right. (laughs) how um, Professor Dumbledore handled a situation and how I, as a mother, (laughs) am handling a situation. (laughs) And so what I saw from that is that I think in my own life as a a reading child Mm -hmm. and then watching my children submerge themselves into the world of books, I realized that while children live in a very complex world with a lot of things competing for their attention, Mm -hmm. books and literature are still an incredibly vibrant part mm-hmm. of their imaginations, of the way they construct what's right and wrong. So great children's books, like all great art, are not straightforward legal or ethical propositions. Instead, they offer a way to deepen and enrich, to question even, to mm-hmm. challenge, and to interrogate the principles of human rights. Where to check it out? The book is called Human Rights in Children's Literature, Imagination and the Narrative of Law. My name is Ellen Stockstill. Dr. Ellen Stockstill. (laughs) I knew Ellen before she was a doctor. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. Thanks for listening. My name is my name.